McShane Bible Study, day 321, and we are in 1 Chronicles, chapters 9 and 10 to begin with. And it's kind of weird how the order comes, but the first part of chapter 9, they're given the genealogy of people that returned from exile, right? And then the second half, it backs way up, kind of back to where it had been, and gives us Saul's genealogy again, which didn't we just do that a day or two ago? Uh, and then chapter 10 tells of Saul's death and kind of, you know, gives a couple stories there. and really gives short shrift to the life of Saul compared to what Kings gave us. Um, and the, the only thing that really stood out to me is the last couple of verses. So Saul died for his breach of faith. Breach means he, he broke the faith. Breach, if a dam is breached, then the water starts to flood over it. Um, so, you know, he, he broke faith with the Lord in that he did not keep the command of the Lord. So he didn't follow, keep continually obey the Lord. And so he was no longer fit to lead the people. And also consulted a medium seeking guidance. He did not seek guidance from the Lord. So here we have a person, a king, and this is instructive for a people of God that claim God, not seeking other wisdom of the world, wisdom of, you know, the things. And the problem with that is we, every, most everyone says, yes, yes, I just follow the Lord. But then they seek the wisdom of the world for guidance. But they, oh, well, that doesn't count. That doesn't, you know, that, that doesn't apply here. Well, yes, it does. Just because it's not a little woman with a crystal ball or whatever that you're seeking doesn't mean you're seeking the wisdom of the world. It doesn't mean you're not seeking the wisdom of the world. Um, so God's looking for a people that follow after him and his ways in all things. In the last sentence, therefore the Lord put him to death and turned the kingdom over to David, the son of Jesse. And we'll pick up on his story tomorrow. And we move to Hebrews 12. And um, so if, if we kind of look back at Hebrews, this is a, well, it's a mountaintop experience in the middle of this, or towards the end of this book, right? Um, Hebrews, if you remember, it started out by talking about sonship. It started about Christ as born the firstborn son of many brothers, right? It talked about him being greater than angels, which is hard for them to comprehend, right? It's just talking about the importance of sonship in God's plan. Then he moved on to talking about the order of Melchizedek and how a new priesthood, an order of priests and kings was being established through Christ that went above the former order of priests and kings that God had established, right? Which were separate. And then he talked about faith being completely, entirely important as a way to enter into these things, right? He's going to come back to sonship in this chapter, but he's, he's kind of bringing it all together. Okay, Callum? It starts out, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, so he's just mentioned all these witnesses, right? All these great men of the faith, men and women, who are looking in to see the fulfillment of what they were a part of, right? God's plan 
throughout the history of mankind. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. What did we just talk about in Chronicles? Setting aside those ways of the world that we've grown up depending on. Right? He said, set them aside. Every weight and the sin, the ways of the world, the missing the mark. Right? And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So let's continue on in the race that God has set before us with endurance, knowing it's not a quick, it's not a quick sprint and we're done and go about something. It's an endurance race where we continue on and continue on, right? Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Was the joy um, being tortured? No, the joy is the fulfillment of God's purpose in his life. The fact that, that he had to go through the torture was inconsequential. He preferred not to. He said, God, if there's another way, I'll take that. But if not, I'll take the torture. Mm-hmm. Because it is a great joy to be such an important instrument in your plans. Mm-hmm. Right? <clears throat> and so because he did this, he's the founder of our faith. Mm-hmm. It's impossible without him, right? And he's the perfecter of our faith. He's the way that we live and the one who sets us on the right path when we get astray, right? Mm-hmm. Three, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted in your struggle against sin. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. So whenever we come upon a difficult time, just think what Jesus did, mm-hmm. Right? We, we haven't been asked to that yet. Yes, we have difficulties along the way. But we haven't yet been asked to do what Jesus did. So take strength. Jesus was able to handle it. He will help us handle our difficulties as well. Right? Five. And you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. He says, look, God is addressing you as sons. Don't forget this. Right? And he quotes, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Mm -hmm. Right? This is a part of the walk of God. Mm -hmm. And he, he goes on. Seven, it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. He's saying every daddy disciplines his sons, right? Mm -hmm. He said, if God is not disciplining you in your walk, then you are not a son. You might be claiming his name, but you're really just walking around in the world claiming God's name, but not truly being disciplined by him, right? Mm -hmm. Now, besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? So he's talking to adults, right? 
Um, you guys are still <laughs> under my household, right? Um, but he's saying to adults, look, all of our fathers disciplined us. They did what was best in their own eyes to help us be trained up to become good adults, right? Mm-hmm. So, of course, God is going to do this, right? Tim, for they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. He's saying, you know, uh, earthly fathers do their best. Sometimes they make mistakes, right? Earthly fathers are not perfect, but God is perfect, and everything he brings about in our life to discipline us is brought about for our good so that we grow in him and closer to him to be the greater fulfillment of what he's created us for, right? And it might seem difficult at the time we're going through this. However, he's bringing about peaceful fruit of righteousness, right? So that we look back and we say, I've had this happen many times in my life. And the more you go through it, the more you, you, you can realize it in the moment. Ah, this is not what I would have picked, God. <laughs> this seems difficult. But I'm sure your, your way is good. And so what should I be learning right now while I'm in the midst of it? Instead of waiting until I get the end and learn, looking back and then learning something, ah, let me just be in peace that I'm in this situation. And what can I learn in it right now, Lord? Right? Let me just walk with God. Mm-hmm. 12. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So he's saying, be strengthened. You know, set yourself on this course, on this race. And he's saying, strive for peace. So he says, we're not out looking for trouble with others. You know, whether walking along this way or not walking on this way at all or trying and failing or whoever. Try to be in peace with everyone. But, and for holiness without which no one will see. So what does holy mean? Set apart, right? Mm -hmm. Set ourselves apart from the world, the wisdom of the world, the ways of the world. Set ourselves apart for God and his ways. 15. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. So, he says, obtain the grace. Seek the Lord to receive his grace, his empowerment, right? And do not let any bitterness take hold of our hearts, mm-hmm. right? If we see it creeping in, immediately let it go. Pray to God that there be no bitterness in us because that is a way that we become defiled. Mm-hmm. We can be become bitter of many things in this world. We can become bitter of what's going on with others. Um, and, and we may think, well, that person did this or that, and I become bitter with that. Well, who's the one hurt? You're hurt by the bitterness, not the person you're upset with. Right? He says, don't let bitterness in your heart. 16, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. Esau didn't care so much about the heavenly promises. He wanted some food, right? He wanted some soup. Mm-hmm. 
be willing to die to things of the flesh, things of the world, in order to grab hold of the spiritual promises, spiritual reality. 17, for you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. 18, for you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearer beg that no further messages be spoken to them, for they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. So he's talking about when the people were called up the mountain. The people refused to go up the mountain. Moses was terrified, but he didn't refuse. Only Moses went up the mountain, right? And, and was with the Lord, received the law, glowed with the glory of God, right? Mm -hmm. The people were too scared to come up as God had invited them. <clears throat> but he's saying, look, there's something greater than that. 22. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels and festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So he says, look, you've come. This is the spiritual reality. Are you grabbing hold of this? You have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God. Everything that everyone has done for God in the past is waiting. The angels are all waiting, looking to see what you're going to do. Are you going to truly enter into the city of God? Are you going to climb the mountain and come before God Almighty? Like you're invited. Right? This is a spiritual reality you're invited into. It's not some hill you climb and get sweaty. It's a life that God has set before you. Will you be one of the ones that climb this holy mountain? It's up to you. You're invited. Right? 25. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. It's a sobering word, right? Mm -hmm. These people of God, they refused to go up the mountain. He said they were rejected. Mm -hmm. He warns us, don't make that same mistake. 26, at that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. We... Uh, I think, did this come up in a psalm? A couple of days ago, we mentioned this, that, that uh, Hebrews was going to quote Haggai, right? And I was having trouble remembering the book it was in. So this is the chapter. He's quoting, Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. So this is what the Lord's doing. It has begun. It will get a lot more intense next year. Mm -hmm. He will shake everything. For what purpose? To remove everything that can be shaken. Mm -hmm. So that only that which cannot be shaken remains. So the degree to which we put 
our heart, our mind, our being in the things of this world, we will be shaken to the core. And those things will have to be destroyed. The degree to which our life rests in the Lord, in His Spirit, we will be perfectly at peace because those things cannot be shaken. Do you understand that? you see the importance? Mm-hmm. 28. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Mm-hmm. He's not this, this little play God that we put on a shelf and we pick him up on Sundays and say, this is our God. And we pick him up in a difficult time and say, this is our God. Our God is a consuming fire. Let us come to him. Be on our face before him and say, Lord, I worship you. I want your ways. Correct me. Teach me. Help me to grow in your ways. That I'm dead to the ways that I've walked in the past. I'm dead to the ways of this world. Bless me. Lead me. Help me bring you glory with my life because I obey you in all things, Lord. Mm -hmm. And we move to Amos 8. And I I thought it goes goes well with what we were just talking about. Um, Verse 1 says, Woe to those who are at ease in Zion and to those who feel secure on the mountain of Samaria, the notable men of the first of the nations to whom the house of Israel comes. He's saying, you who think you're in good standing with God, representing God, but you're really standing in worldly ways, woe to you. That means, like, you're in danger. Two, pass over to Calne and see, and from there go to Hamath the Great, then go down to Gat of the Philistines. Are you better than these kingdoms, or is their territory greater than your territory? In other words... You claim to represent God. Is your way truly better than the ways of the world? Do you really know God's ways? Or are you just saying you do? Verse 8 says, The Lord God has sworn by himself, declares the Lord, the God of hosts, I abhor the pride of Jacob and hate his strongholds, and I will deliver up the city and all that is in it. It's a harsh word, right? And we finish up with Psalms 87 and 88. And I like, again, how this fits. Uh, 87 starts out, On the holy mount stands the city he founded. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwelling places of Jacob. 5. And of Zion it shall be said, This one and that one were born in her, for the Most High himself will establish her. The Lord records as he registers the people. This one was born there. So you see, there's a there's a whole there's a whole holy land, right? There's a whole people of God, a place established by God. But there's a Mount Zion. Mm-hmm. There's a place for those closest to Him. And the Lord loves the gates and all the dwelling, better than all the dwelling places. He founded it. And he picks one out here and one out there. He said, this one was born again in Zion. This is my new creation. A a son, a person who truly represents me in the world. Right? You see that? Uh, Psalm 88, 
verse 6. So this is what, sons of Korah? Yeah. So I don't know who's crying out. Well, I guess it says, a mascal of Heman, the Ezraite. It's Heman. Uh, you have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions of dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. So this is similar to the discipline we were just talking about. In uh, discipline's not, I don't like when the word always has a negative connotation. Was, that's kind of how it was used in Hebrews. But discipline and discipleship are the same thing, right? It, it's, it's the same root, I mean. Um, so discipleship is a matter of growing more, you know, it's the, the act of engagement, of growing from the discipliner to the disciple <laughs> right? So to make one more like uh, the other, right? To, with the purpose that we all become more like God, mm-hmm. right? And so, dis- but, but God, ha- God disciplines us when we're just off track and we refuse to get off track. There, there are corrections that must be made, right? Um, so not all discipline is, well, all discipline, as you just said, is positive. But sometimes it, it feels negative at the time. But it's a correction to get on the right path, right? So he says, you have put me in the pit, right? Your wrath lays heavy upon me. Nine, my eyes grow dim through sorrow. Every day I call upon you, O Lord. I spread out my hands. So what's happened? He's going through difficult times, but he's turning and calling on God, right? Mm -hmm. 13, but I, O Lord, cry to you. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. So the difficulty has caused him to adjust and turn to God. That's the place where God heals. That's the place where God says, ah, now I can work with you. You're giving yourself to me. We don't realize when we live as the world lives that we're really allowing ourselves to be led by the enemy. We can't see him. We can't see that reality. But that is the reality, right? When difficulty comes and we turn and cry out to God, it's God, I'll give you everything. Just help me come your way. He's, ah, now I can teach you and grow you, right? All right, that's all I have. Do you have anything else? Mm-mm. All right, well, the Lord bless you. God bless you.